Stop that. Uh, no bell in the Mazda. And uh, here I am at Thompson Park on a uh, Monday morning, May 1st. If you're a socialist or labor leader or whatever, happy uh, happy whatever day it is for you. Uh, may everybody earn who works hard and puts in the hours earn a good wage to make a live proper living. But uh, yeah, it ain't going to happen. Anyway... It's uh, Dixon Jane's, the podcast. Yes, and guaranteed 100% Canadian content. 100% Canadian content in keeping with all the rules that are out there that uh, we got to stop being overly influenced by American pop culture and everything else and news and, and promote our own Canadian <coughs> whatever. In this case, it's just a lot of talk. It's going to be a lot of talk, and there's a lot more coming, because we're just starting this, baby. This will be Dixon Jane's number 944. 944. That's right. Here at Thompson, uh, did I say Thompson? But this case, it's bluffers. And boy, oh boy, the, um, what do you call those trees that, that I rave about all the time? They've just, the weeping willows, the willow trees, my God. God, when they bloom, or when the the leaves, the strands come out, the angel hair, I'll call it, because that's what it looks like, it is just beautiful. It's a very a lime green right now. I'm staring at a tree right in front of me, and like, bam, a week ago, there was nothing. That was just the outline of a tree. And now, holy shit, in just that short time, full, like every branch and, and sub-branch, it's just got these green things hanging from them. It truly is beautiful. Uh, the firs, <laughs> the pines, they just look the same. But these uh, these willow trees, my God. And that's what makes this park special to me. Anyway, enough about the park. I was actually on my way to um, Thompson Park, uh, going along Lawrence, and then suddenly, whoa, just past the hospital. The road is blocked. There's a... A police car. There's a TTC car. They've blocked the road. There's flares in the in the roadway, and I stretch my neck and I look further down the road, and there, right at the turn off to Thompson Park, where I was going, that would be Brimley and Lawrence. There's a fire truck, and there's uh, there's just chaos. Something's going on. I think there was a bad accident, and uh, as much as I wanted to sort of creep up and see that accident. Uh, I couldn't. Darn it, you know... Oh, never mind. This was such a tangent. Well, all right, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) I was in the library, and you know how I am with all these checkout things, and there's always a problem. And the book, the library here, my Cedarbrae library, is absolutely wonderful. There's a nice book drop-off outside. You just open the drawer and drop your books in, and you know they're going to be checked at the other end, and great, you know, and you'll get a notice. Your books are returned on time. And um, 
So I, well, I did. I'll tell you. I, I posted a pro tip. I go straight to the new releases section, and I have got three books. I'm thrilled about. Like you know, I could have been there for a long time. I was, I was going to try and search. I'll oh, find a, a detective series and one of those. But no, first head to the new releases. See what they got there. What's the first book I pick up? Leonard Cohen, A Ballet of Lepers. A novel and stories, newly released, uh, and that is just fantastic. Leonard Cohen, come on, stories. I've read The Favorite Game and Beautiful Losers. Those are two of his novels. I've read a lot of his poetry, Spice Box from Earth. I've got all his music. Um, but uh, here, a new book just released of a, a lot of his writing, short stories and other things. And they'll just be very Leonard Cohen-ish, you know, creative and artsy and kind of a flow. So that was a, wow, grab that one. Uh, next in line, a Code 6, a New York Times bestseller author. And that's what I'm looking for. The ones you can, you know, page turners, you can just get through and uh, do a James Crepando. Never heard of him, but... Uh, there's a reason that James Capando was a New York Times bestselling author and the recipient of the Harper Lee Prize for Legal Fiction. Twenty certainly contains works well as a standalone title, but also inspire readers to delve into Grappando's backlist, so be prepared. All right, so anyway, it's all praises for 20, but it's not called 20. <laughs> it's a different book. Uh, but anyway, maybe uh, they, nobody praises this book. I don't know. Uh, so, but the thing is, what I like about it is it's all about big data and, uh, you know, the conspiracy around there. The most Patrick has been kidnapped and the ransom code is code demand is code six, the most secret and potentially dangerous technology her father's company has ever developed. Oh, oh, oh boy. Going to be hanging on to the seat of my pants for that one. And then the third book called No One Left to Come Looking for You by Sam Lipsight, author of New York Times bestseller, The Ask. Now, this looks like a lot of fun to me. Uh, what have we got here? Steve Soderbergh uh, gave a nice um, a quote at the top. Reading this book is like being duct taped to a chair with wheels and shoved down a steep hill into eight lanes of oncoming traffic. Oh, my God. That doesn't sound good. Um, it's set in East Village, Manhattan. So, I mean, i got to love that. that. That's right off the bat. That's a start. Manhattan's East Village, 1993. Dive bars, DIY music venues, shady weirdos, and hard drugs are plentiful. Crime is high, but rent is low, luring hopeful, creative kids from sleepy suburbs around the country. So there we go. Uh, no One Left to Come Looking for You is a page-turning suspense novel that also serves as a love letter to a bygone era of a New York City where young artists could still afford to chase their dreams. Now, come on! Come on! All three books, like within a, within a space of 20 books on one shelf. Like straight in, straight for that shelf, bam, bam, bam. So I am very, very happy about that. And and these are books I'll take with me when I go camping this weekend, Friday, which is why I'm starting my podcast now, because uh, I'd rather release this before the camping weekend starts and then give you a separate uh, McGregor Provincial Park camping podcast. So what do we got? I got some notes. Coronation of King Charles. Now, I'm not going to talk about that now. I'm going to talk later in the week. It, it doesn't happen until 
next Saturday when I'm away, but I've got a lot to say about it because of my own British heritage. There's no getting around that. And and so people who just, I don't give a shit. No, I don't want a king, you know, and uh, why the fuck are we supporting these assholes? There's, there is that mindset, and I understand it. But those people well, if they were nice people, would understand why people like myself, whose mother was born in England, whose grandfather was British and went back, left his uh, his his new dream on Vancouver Island to go back and fight in World War One, and uh, and basically destroyed him. Uh, so, you know, the the roots are deep, and uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Ah. Uh, polarization, opinion shaping. This is all really serious stuff, and I don't know if I want to get into that. Um, the school... Oh, Margaret Atwood and the pen machine. I guess I just finished the Margaret Atwood book of short stories, and they were very good. My, I mean, she is brilliant. I, I mentioned already she is another one of my Canadian heroes, along with Joni Mitchell and uh, Leonard Cohen right here beside me. Um... Very good short stories and a lot to do with, uh, set during COVID time and a lot to do with death, of course, the death of her her, her, uh, her husband, Graham Gibson, who um, had Alzheimer's and then died uh, mercifully not too long after. And she was with him the whole way while she was writing the book Testaments, her follow-up to, um, you know, the, the book that's on TV now. You know the one. <sighs> anyway... I've already told the story of meeting Margaret Atwood, so I guess I can skip over that. It's just that I, I really felt I, there, there was, I could have take, made better advantage. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to repeat it. You've heard it before, but it doesn't matter because you've forgotten. You don't care anyway. Um, I was invited with my wife to attend uh, a, a welcome at the Japanese consulate in Toronto for the Emperor and Empress of Japan. Now, that was a big deal. I was president of the Canada-Japan Society at the time, so I was just an automatic, yep, yeah, i got to invite him. And we were well prepped, and there was a lot of police, RCMP and everything else. There was a rule you didn't, you didn't necessarily even supposed to talk to him. I think you just stood there, as you would with British protocol, you know, uh, meeting the Queen. Um, you just sort of stood, maybe bowed, and maybe said something in answer to whatever he said, or whatever. But anyway, it was it was it was it was special. And what made it so much more special was my wife and I were sort of last in this line of people, and it wasn't that it was a ranked line; it just happened to be that way. And as they left to go out onto the deck, there was going to be a toast or something. Uh, the Empress of Japan stopped. I've, I've told you this, and this is real life. The Empress of Japan turned to me and said in perfect English, do you mind if I speak to your wife in Japanese? And then turned to Naoko and spoke to her. Uh, and then that is just quite wonderful. And then my wife, I know she knows this story. She was there. She was the one. She wouldn't, uh, probably wouldn't talk about it. But that was really special. Anyway, what I'm getting at is after that, we all went onto the deck. Everybody had a name tag, but in Japanese. So a lot of people didn't know who other people were, unless they were big loudmouths. But I could read the Japanese, the katakana names, and I saw right away. There was a little, short, little old lady, 65 years old. This was in 2009, by the way, July. 
uh, Margaret Atwood. Yes, and nobody's talking to her because they don't think anybody knew, you know, who's she? Uh, <laughs> and there were a lot of people who were just so full of themselves anyway, they, they wouldn't care or whatever. But I approached her because I felt nobody's talking to this poor lady. So I went up to her and instead of just, you know, getting into a question or having a conversation, I talked about her long pen. This is something she developed and this was this, um, this was new technology in, in 2006 where a person could autograph a book but from a distance. They didn't have to be in the same room. In fact, they could be across an ocean using this computer software. And uh, there'd be a book open in one page at, say, a bookstore, Chapters in Toronto, and she'd be in London, England, uh, with maybe, I guess, a, a special pad. And she would write, you know, to Janet, best wishes, Margaret Atwood. And it would be writing at the same time, whatever transmission time it took, in the book that uh, Janice, or whatever her name was, I just said, <laughs> was standing there holding the book. So a lot of people were really quite upset about it. Um, the, I'll read something from uh, when I Googled it to get the dates. The imminent arrival of the gadget called the Long Pen has prompted fears it could kill off the grand tradition of the book signing tour. Those long hours spent on trains and motorways trudging the publicity circuit as writers to press the, press the flesh with the people who pay their wages could be called a thing of the past. Yet the threat has led to a backlash by other authors. D.J. Taylor called it an absolute feeble idea, another example of fatuous modern technology. While novelist Jilly Cooper believes, people you've never heard of, if the signing tour were to die off, it would be a tragedy. Ms. Adwood, 66, is to launch the device, which has been seen by only a select few at secret testings at the London Book Fair a fortnight from today, um, where publishers and authors from around the world will be given a demonstration. The writer will be in Canada, but will create what is billed as the world's first transatlantic autograph. So there you go. So that was what I talked to her about, and uh, I wish I had picked another topic, but I thought she'd be flattered to have somebody who knew about this thing that she had been created. And, and yeah, I guess that was probably the right thing to do. Okay, so there we go. Oh my God, 14 minutes and I didn't even start on opinion shaping and polarization. And uh, here's a, here's, I'll, I'll give an example of it though. Maybe I'll come back to it. There's a cartoon going around and you'll see it on uh, Instagram or, um, you know, maybe Twitter, maybe even Facebook. I don't know. Um, and it's got like a booth with a huge long of long line of people in that line and on the, the heading for that particular booth or stall or whatever it is, uh, is labeled Ukraine. And then you've got another booth identical with nobody there. Nobody cares. Nobody's interested. And guess what it's called? Yes. Sudan. So there you go. That's just a little bit of, is that subliminal message or no, that's in your face messaging. That's, hey, you're supposed to feel bad because the Ukrainian people are white and that's why everybody cares and the people in Sudan are black and nobody cares. I mean, that's one, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that's one interpretation. Uh, I don't know how else you could interpret that. Um, but that's what's kind of out there. And, and that's the kind of stuff that 
you know, people sort of have to pick a side right away. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right, okay, yeah, I agree with that. That's wrong. And, I mean, it's, I just do that because it was an example today. But there are so many other things that just make it clear where you are supposed to stand on any particular issue. And I guess the one that really stands out the most here in Canada is how, what you're supposed to feel about Native people and Native issues and about the, uh, the schools where they forced people. There is no room for dialogue. There is no room for dialogue. It's basically white man bad, Native people, if not good, uh, harmed, hurt. And, and of course that's true. The Europeans came over and took over this land from these people. Uh, so there's no arguing that. And it's the same way there's no arguing, you know, well, what about the good things about slavery? No, there were no good things about slavery. No, nobody's trying to say that. But what we're trying to say is sometimes you need, well, we use the word nuance, but sometimes you need open conversation. Sometimes you need to look, was it really a perfect land with people living in harmony with nature and at one before the Europeans came. And a lot of people, including scientists and, and uh, uh, others, will say, and historians, no, 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 this was not, not, not everybody was living in harmony. There was slavery, there was torture, there was killing between the various groups right here where we live, between the uh, Iroquois and the Algonquin and then this group and that group and so on. And, and to sort of blame it all, to polarize it so that it's white versus Native people, and don't even think about having a discussion on this issue because you're wrong. That's kind of what I, I was getting at. So it looks like I've already got into it, maybe said as, as much or too much more than I should have, and things are coming like, okay, now every school is going to mandate courses in, in Native studies, and probably that's a good thing. We should know more. This is part of our history. This This is the land they were on before we, and I'm saying we because I'm one of them, uh, ancestors or pioneers came and farmed on the Ottawa River. Um, you know, it's, it's just, there, there, we, we should be open to discussion. And there is feelings I mean, for example, if you were to defend uh, Jordan Peterson, whoa, sorry, you're wrong, you're wrong. And yet, before all this sort of blew up, there were lots of people reading his book and thought, wow, this is one of his great advice. Hey, come on, uh, our own Shane Burley and his buddy went through the entire book he wrote and, and people looked, looking for pieces of advice and then now said, oh, okay, but underneath all that, this is where he's really coming from. And so he's, you know, been canceled and maybe that's fine maybe i'm probably the guy is an asshole i don't think i'd like him but it's just that the idea that people consuming information that comes from who knows where could easily be from china or operators from russia from anywhere else to divide people to stir up issues to polarize things works in the interests of enemies to democracy for example uh, and this this is happening, 
And the idea that people feel shut down or afraid to think or afraid to express themselves. And I've been harping on this for a very, very long time. People who want to get promoted within the public school system, boy, you better have your opinions just right. And never, ever speak a bad word about anything that can be considered a minority group or or, or this or that. Just cover your ass, man, and do not make a mistake because that's going to hurt your next promotion, uh, regardless of what you think is right or fair and so on. Um, it's almost like maybe we can go, we'll, we'll stretch this even further to the laws that people are just being let out on bail continually. People who have been arrested on gun charges come out on bail and then on bail are out with their guns again, getting revenge on the people who squealed on them or in the opposition gang and so on. And now suddenly, whoa, it becomes a thing. Wait a minute. You know, you thought this was right to give everybody a fair chance and, you know, innocent until proven guilty and so on. And you've let a lot of people loose on the streets who have just misbehaved once again under those very loosey-goosey bail conditions. Um, and maybe we have to rethink those things and, and, yeah. So I'm going to leave it there. That was 20 minutes. Uh, whoa, a third of the podcast done already. Um, funny how I talked about what I said I wasn't going to talk about. But I'm, I'll leave King Charles for a little bit later. I like King Charles. He's my age. I followed him all his life. I think he's not stupid the way a lot of people want to think he's stupid. He has very unconventional views. Good for him. He can think for himself. Um... I, it's unfortunate that he's at a time when everybody loved the Queen, his mother, so much that nobody could possibly love him anywhere near as much. And more and more people are just tired of the crown and the rest of the people who've, you know, ruined it, especially his, um, his, uh, was it his, his, was it his, well, his sister Anne. Who would it be? His nephew, I guess. Um, Prince Andrew. You know, terrible, terrible, um, these things. And so they've kind of, you know, blurred and ruined the the good name that Queen Elizabeth worked so hard to preserve. So there you go. All right, all right. Geez, I'm still running on, am I? Um, I guess that's about it then. I hope I haven't offended anybody too much. Once again, Canadian content, that's all you're going to get here. Scarborough Dude signing out from uh, Bluffers Park, staring <laughs> again at those gorgeous willow trees. Bye for now. Okay, I'm back. Uh, you will be hearing very faintly, I think, in the background, a little bit of uh, Gordon Lightfoot, who uh, died last night. It is, of course, all over the internet, especially Canadian uh, commentaries. Um, I've just spent, uh, let's see, $21.45 plus $27. Uh, the $21.45 was for the two CDs I got at Deja Vu, and the $27 was for a speeding ticket I got on my way there in a hurry before... They were all sold out because people had already been in before me. I was there before noon, and uh, people had already been in buying their uh, CDs, Gordon Lightfoot CDs. It is a loss, but uh, not an unexpected loss. Uh, he was not in good health for a long time. Um, the speeding ticket came as a total surprise. Now, i got to tell you about this. This was uh, Constable Zane. 
Um, he clocked me at 74 kilometers an hour in a 50 kilometer zone going up Midland. And um, no argument. I mean, I just saw the flashing lights behind me. Uh-oh, I guess that for me. Don't hear a siren or anything. He's not speeding ahead. He just wants me to pull over, and I did. And uh, it took a while. I had to remove my license, get the insurance, get the ownership, all the stuff, of course, I had on hand, easily accessible, which was the right thing to do. And um, he took quite a while and then came out. I had the window rolled down, and he said... Uh, for 24 kilometers over the speed limit, uh, that's, and he quoted a 300 and something dollar fine, and four demerit points. And of course, when you get four demerit points, your insurance rates jump. I mean, that's that's a mark against you until those are cleared, uh, and it takes a long time to clear them. So, he then said, however... I'm just going to put you down as five kilometers over and uh, the ticket will just be $27, but please slow down and no demerit points. Now, what <laughs> What a welcome break, very kind of him. The thing is, I think when he went back in, he realized I've got a clean record, there's nothing out against me, I have no record of any other offenses. And so he gave me a break, as as many of them do. And I certainly learned a lesson. I was a lot more slow coming back. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I'm I feel lucky. I got off with that. I am like it's a huge piece of paper. They gotta have a whole printing factory in their vehicles to print off these three sheets. You know, uh, of uh, you know what is it, 8 by 11 size. But anyway, there it is, so I will pay that today. I will tell my wife about it and give her a heads up because uh, we both had red light camera tickets as well, which is a $300 fine. No arguing that. It's not even a police officer. It just comes in the mail. And uh, sometimes you get stuck at an intersection and, uh, you know, you're behind and the guy in front of you doesn't move fast enough and then it turns red and you're in the intersection, you gotta go, making your left or your right turn and you get nailed by the camera. Anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful. Wow, $27, I can handle that. Um, but I needed to have the light foot. Now, I got two CDs. One is... Early Morning Rain, which is the best of Gordon Lightfoot. And this is the old stuff. And, of course, I'm going to play one for you. And, uh, you know, I have to have one Lightfoot song on this. And I'm probably going to stick with Early Morning Rain, the title song, because it's the one I remember most. And it was that feeling, especially with the Yukon Summer. Now, I don't have... I went through all my CDs and I don't have any. And I know I had Gord's Gold, but I believe that might have been one I sent to our good friend in Tennessee. Um, and uh, so I was I was looking for that or Old Dan's Records, which I have on vinyl, uh, but they were not available at, uh, at a used CD place. And I could get all this, you know. I, I just like to have the CD so I can play in the road track or in the, here in the Toyota. Ah. <sighs> Anyway, I'm, I guess there's not too much more to say, but he, he really was a part of our lives. Um, 
I find it interesting, the CD I'm playing now, the Gord Gold, Gord's Gold Volume 2, a lot of these tracks I don't even know. So there was a point when they just sort of stopped listening to Gord. Uh, but the classics are here. Um, the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, Race Among the Ruins, um, It's Worth Believing, Alberta Bound. There's another great song. I may even choose that one. could be Alberta Bound instead. Uh, we'll see. But so I've got some new Lightfoot to, to learn, listen to, and hear, and see what I think. And then I've got some vintage Lightfoot. So that was a, you know, it was a worthwhile outing. Hey, that's something you do. You know I'm very frugal, or I have to be very frugal, but uh, it was worth going out and picking up two CDs for my collection, even I don't ha- didn't have any. And uh, it's the right time, you know, within, what, within 24 hours of his passing to uh, pick those up. Less than that. All right, and um, there was uh, one of the quotes was he would be the, on the Mount Rushmore of Canadian songwriters musicians, and I posted that. Can't wait to hear uh, Anthony and uh, Dave, Doctor Dave, um, on uh, the Marshall McLuhan podcast around tables do one. And Anthony was very quick to write back, and and uh, you know to his credit, because this is what he he believes. That sorry, Gord would <laughs> Gord would not make the uh, the uh, the Mount Rushmore, you know, the the four best. And um, Dave Robbeck chimed in. You mean boredom, Lightfoot? I'm with Anth on this. So that's that's pretty funny. I find that pretty damn funny. And of course, Susan Murphy took umbrage at that. Thames fighting words. So there you go. There's a little bit of uh, Twitter feed for you. Yeah, Anthony's answer, he doesn't make them out. That's not to deter from his greatness, but side by side with many other musicians and singer-songwriters, he just doesn't make the cut. So I do want to hear, I don't know if they will take it on, but I would love to hear Dave and Anthony put together a Mount Rushmore of Canadian singer-songwriters. I put that out as a challenge, and I will take credit if they actually do it and people enjoy hearing, well, who would they put up there? I mean, you'd have to have, hey, Joni Mitchell and um, Leonard Cohen, but who knows? David's very quick with his their hacks remarks. So, uh, and Anthony would probably find somebody a little bit obscure. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll just have to see. And uh, if they would, I hope they do. All right, leave it at that. Uh, what else have I got to tell you about? Well, <laughs> not much. I'm in uh, Thompson Park. I um, I needed a coffee to come here, and so I thought, well, I, I know where my McDonald's is on Lawrence, and that's convenient, so I can make it en route to the park. But right in front of me was the Tim Hortons, and um, so I thought, okay, I'll see if they've got online deals. Well, nothing I wanted. You know, they used to give six donuts for three fifty. They haven't done that for a very long time. That was a deal. Those donuts are normally a, a buck, at least a piece. Um, so the rest of them are pretty shitty deals. And then I found even the coffee itself came to about a dollar sixty-one for a small one. And I got to tell you, their small is much smaller than um, the um, McDonald's small. So I got a small dark roast, but um, you know I won't do that again. And secondly, I want to order online, and I could not without putting in a pre-approved payment method, like a credit card or a debit card. 
And I didn't need to give them that information, you know. Hey, no, all right, if they can't order without that, I'll just go up and drive up to the speaker and uh, say, small dark roast, one cream, thank you, that's all. That's what I did. That was, that's what what they would have heard on their side. Anyway, all right, we're rambling now. Um, I think I'll stop and um, I'll put in a song and I'm afraid... I'm going to have to play it from the car radio. So it's never, never, never as good as a good stereo sounding if I if I was to rip it and put it on my Mac and give it to you properly. <sighs> but that's too much trouble for the Dixon James podcast considering, you know, how few listeners I have and how many listen on uh, double speed anyway. Scarborough Dudes hiding out from uh, Thompson Park. I'll be back at you because i got to get this baby wrapped up and posted by uh, by Friday morning when I leave for my camping trip because I don't want to mix a camping trip. I mean, I could do half camping and then the other half, you know. Eh, no, I'd rather an all-camper trip. Skybird Dude, bye for now. Ding dong! In the early morning rain With a dollar in my hand With an aching in my heart And my pockets full of sand I'm a long way from home And I miss my loved one's soul In the early morning rain to go out on runway number nine big 707 set to go but I'm stuck here in the grass where the cold wind blows now the liquor tasted good and the women all were fast well, there she goes, my friend Well, she's rolling down at last Hear the mighty engines roar See the silver bird on high She's away and westward bound Far above the clouds she'll fly Where the morning rain don't fall And the sun always shines She'll be flying over my home In about three hours' time This old airport's got me down It's no earthly good to me Cause I'm stuck here on the ground As cold and drunk as I can be You can't jump a jet plane Like you can't a freight train So I'd best be on the way In the early morning rain You can't jump a jet plane 
like you can't afraid train So I best be on the way you enjoyed that little bit of Lightfoot. And uh, now we're back to uh, the Dixon Jane's day-by-day world of things that should get done, don't get done, I want to get done, and some get-dones. Get-done is I found a replacement winter tire. Everybody told me when the uh, first tire ran over a rock and it was destroyed... And we were using the little mini spare that sort of fits on. Um, they said, listen, if you're going to get a replacement tire, order it now. Because if they run out, you got to get a whole set, like four new tires. Uh, which sounds ridiculous. But tires change over time and finding your size and so on. So I did a fair amount of research. And I found I could get them at Active Green Ross. I could get them at some Canadian tires. Different stores would have them in stock. And I finally settled on Active Green Ross. There was one on uh, Lawrence just past Warden. And, uh, yeah, they had it. So what starts off as a tire maybe I think was $195. By the time you're getting it, it becomes $263. And that just seems outrageous. But there's a $20 fee for mounting. They've got to take the old one off the rim, put the new one on, mount and balance. And I, and I knew that was sort of going to be a minimum. So I knew you had to have that done just to, you know, mount it on the rim so that they're easier next year when you go to put on your winter tires. They're already mounted on rims. Okay, so then there's um, a government tax and then there's a manufacturer's tax for, you know, recycling the tire or taking it back or whatever doing they're supposed to do environmentally. And then the HST here in Ontario. And anyway, it just it ends up like crazy. Jesus. So, so anyway, I've got a tire. So that was a major problem solved. Now, I don't have the tire with me. Uh, they're going to try and get it done today, if not today, tomorrow morning. And I will just go and pick it up get Daniel to store them in the garage, and then next winter, great, we got four tires that uh, all should match. <sighs> and then meanwhile, um, I'm going camping this weekend, and the um, Simplicity Car Care, the people who are going to be replacing the fender and, and lights and things on my on Nalco's uh, uh, Mazda, um, they want it. Monday morning, and I looked up, checked my camping ground, and I realized, oh, I'm still going to be camping Monday. I had booked three days, because it's much nicer. When everybody's leaving Sunday, you're not going anywhere. You're just sitting through a relatively empty campground, and then it's nicer, you know, that whole extra day to do nothing. And a few other people stay back, too. So I had booked that uh, way back in January, or earlier, I don't know. Anyway, that... So that's done. So I won't be there to take care of bringing in the car Monday morning. And now I've got it. So I had to go to the the car place. Are you are you paying attention? Okay. Because it doesn't really matter if you're not. It's okay. Anyway, 
went to the car place, asked to speak to the uh, the guy who's been handling all this, sitting behind a desk doing all the paperwork, not the guy actually repairing the cars, um, and said, look, my wife is going to do this. I don't want her to have any trouble. Um, they said, no, she just drops it off, and when she gets here, I'll call the uh, Enterprise Car Rental. They'll come. They'll drive her back to their office. And I said, look, the problem in the past when you rent a car, they give you all these papers to sign. And do you want this? Do you want this option, this option? And she's not going to know. And I just don't want her to have a hassle. No, no, you know, your insurance policy, um, what is it, uh, Canadian, what is the thing, CAA, Canadian Automobile Association. That's my insurance, too. Um, They will, they've paid, they'll pay for everything, but she just has to put a deposit. And then when you return the car, you get it back. She just has to sign her name, bring her license and credit card. Nothing extra. She doesn't need to do anything. Don't worry about it. So I am turning that over to my wife for the Monday, which, of course, she's capable of doing. And uh, she'll get a rental car. So this is the issue of having three vehicles. Now, meanwhile, i got to get my road trek loaded up today. And then I realized, oh, my God, I'm going for three days. I need food. i got to do a proper food shopping you can't mooch in a campground, even though they're having a planning, one of those things I hate, what do you call it, a, a potluck dinner. Everybody brings something, you know, everybody has their favorites. And I've always thought, sorry, this is very chauvinistic, very sexist of me, but I always thought it was kind of a ladies thing. Women like to do that and show off their brownies or whatever, you know, forgive me, come on. Um, but of course, the modern man, and that means my younger listeners, of course, would say, sure, yeah, that's great. I can do a, you know, a, a kale salad or something. Is it pronounced kale? I don't know. Um, so I just kind of opt out. I don't want to eat their food. I don't want to be responsible for bringing any food. I'll just sit that one out, you know. And uh, that's what I've done in the past. So anyway, cheers. It is a uh, Wednesday. Is it Wednesday or is it Tuesday? No, it's Wednesday, May 3rd. And uh, 11 in the morning. It is yet another rainy day in Toronto. I am parked here with my McDonald's coffee. And um, it is, to me, it's just as good as the... uh, Tim Hortons, maybe, maybe not, but I can't tell. It's just hot, and it doesn't taste bad. Not like the, uh, sorry, the Burger King coffees. They can be a little off, because I don't think a lot of people buy coffee there. Uh, one of the best, I guess, would be A&W. But since they're no longer free, they've gone through a couple of those promos. Uh, and there's none. they're not really handy locations. This McDonald's is right near... Midland where I have to be. Anyway, so things are getting done. Like stuff that has to be done gets done. And the stuff that I whine about, like, oh, getting rid of my library and, and uh, oh my God, all my trinkets. I'm, I'm sort of starting to think I, I've got to prepare something. What I would really like to have uh, if I, you know, not if, when I die, if we were still in that house, if the stuff was still, if I was to suddenly die, like this guy in the car accident just down the corner from here, uh, the accident that I missed, remember on, um, was it Sunday or Monday, I was uh, driving here to Thompson Park and the road was blocked and it turns out the motorist was killed, like head-on collision, like how do you have a head-on collision on a highway, on a roadway like this? You know, two lanes either side. So anyway, um, 
if I was to die suddenly and all that crap is in the basement, what I'd ideally like would be for uh, Nelko and, and the boys to have kind of an open house in the basement and say, all right, anybody can come in. All my, my friends, all my friends are welcome. Come in, pick out what you want, take what you want. But there'll be a little, a bucket maybe, I think a jar is not enough, a bucket of some kind uh, where you just put in what you think is a fair price and that money would go to uh, Nelko and the boys. Um, you know, for stuff. So there'd be a lot of neat stuff to take there. And of course, I'd let uh, Kenji and Daniel know, uh, hey, if there's something you want, take it now before the hordes get here. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I could. <laughs> I don't know how I could really work that out. You know, I'd have to get it down in writing. And well, which friends? You know, is Mark Blevis allowed? Yeah, of course I want Mark Blevis there. You know, what's he going to take? I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I mean, I don't want to exclude anybody, but I, you know, I expect everybody to be fair and uh, respectful and. Uh, Give a decent price for whatever it is you take. There's some great stuff down there. I mean, you know, and it's stuff. Hey, it's authentic. Oh, yeah, I remember Ken. I, I got his. Uh, I got his old coconut dish. Although I want my son to have that. But uh, what else have I got? Well, I got this mug, Steins. I got my father's beer Steins. Now those are great. These are real pewter Steins with a glass bottom, you know, and, uh, and a nice stern handle on them, and they're a matching pair. Uh, better than that for somebody, and again, maybe the kids might want them, Sapporo beer steins, beautiful blue and gold lettering, like mint condition, and a matching as a his and hers, and the hers in Japan was always a smaller size, you know, that's just the way they do it there, and uh, that is a beautiful, beautiful set, but again, you know, hey, if Kenji didn't take that, I'd really wonder, so like, <laughs> maybe there wouldn't, maybe there'd just be the crap left, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not planning on dying yet, but it's just like this guy just down the street on Monday. He wasn't planning on dying, and there he is, dead in his car. So, and, and believe me, I mean, I was only minutes. It could have been me. That's exactly where I was heading, except by the time I got there, the accident didn't happen and the road was blocked. So, anyway, anything else that you need to know? I've been trying to um, do this in bits and pieces. What have I got here? I got Gordy Lightfoot. We've already talked about Lightfoot. I hope you like the song. I got those two CDs, and i got to tell you, Dave Broadbeck said, oh, you mean Boredom Lightfoot? And some of the stuff sounds the same. Now, when I bought those CDs by Prairie Oyster, I got really excited. But that was a band making a lot of noise and I that really got me excited and the other group uh and Rockets wow this this stuff turns my crank a kind of a solo singer with guitar you got to be in a different mood for it it's kind of different so when you hear a ballad like the record the Edmund Fitzgerald the Canadian Railroad Trilogy um some of those songs they're really quite nice but it doesn't charge the batteries quite the same way. So I'm, I don't regret buying those two CDs yesterday. Uh, they'll be part of my journey when I go camping this weekend. Um, but, you know, some songs stand out more than others. And to tell the truth, the, the favorite, I think Gord's Gold was a good collection. And I, I don't have that one. Uh, I've all, except in vinyl. 
Um, but the other one, the one that is still my favorite is old Dan's records. And if they had had that, I certainly would have got that one. And that's the, that's the one we played up in the Yukon, that fabulous Yukon summer, 1975. The only album we were staying, we sort of camped out at a cabin, like a one room cabin that belonged to a couple, Werner and Enid. And they were a friend of, uh, Yukon Larry's, he used to be nicknamed, our nickname for him was Burned Out Larry because he was, he looked like a burned out hippie, the long straggly blonde hair. He He's the guy when we first arrived, he'd drop his pants when an airplane flew over and wave his dong, you know, that kind of thing. So we, you know, anyway, I mean, turns out he's, he's a fabulous cook. I mean, when Larry comes to your house, it's going to take three hours to get a meal, but He'll do, he'll do a fine job. So a good cook, I mean, he had his good qualities and, you know, made it clear to us, okay, don't call me Burned Out Larry anymore. And you know, understandably, you know, hey. Um, but, so he introduced us to Werner and, Erne, Werner and Enid. We, they had a tent. I think we took turns sleeping in the car, the Toyota. That was Bruce's Toyota. Bruce in the tent. Um, and there was, gosh, if you wanted to... I don't know, there's some, something about a bathroom and a kitchen, they were connected, and you couldn't use one without, you know, doing something in the other, you know, if you open the oven door, you couldn't get into the bathroom, something, I don't know, anyway, it was small. And then they had a couple of dogs, too, that's right, they had crazy dogs, I think one of them was called Pig, um, but quite a couple, super nice people, super nice people, and that was Porter Creek, that was just on the outskirts of White Whitehorse. Uh, that was the same place where we created our own tent city. We pitched our tents. Then by this time, we had Harold with us. This is Harold, a.k.a. the Barstool Buddha, who is now in Thailand and is not likely to ever leave Thailand, sadly. Doesn't have the money. Married to a Thai woman, looking after him. They've got a nice little house. Uh, the Rock was just there. Robin was just there with The Rock. I've been posting pictures. If you are on the Facebook Friends of The Rock... Well, you will you can see those pictures of Harold, the Barcel Buddha, and uh, Robin holding the rock. And if you are not on that Facebook group, um, contact me, Dixon Janes, D-I-C-K-S-N-J-A-N-E-S at gmail.com, and I'll decide whether you can be uh, a friend of the rock and have access to that page. Uh, quite a few of you do, but it's a, it's a limited crew. You know, there's probably under 60 people who have that privilege of uh, keeping tabs on where the rock is and who's got it. I think it's going to, gosh, is it Burma next? No, that doesn't sound right. It's going to another country in Southeast Asia now. It's been to Australia. It's been to Bangkok. It's somewhere else now. There'll be pictures posted soon, maybe maybe today, tomorrow. Who knows? Um, now, where were we? We were talking about the Yukon, the Yukon summer. I don't know how I quite got onto that. It wasn't the rock. That great summer. Oh, Gordon Lightfoot, Old Dan's Records. That's right. Full circle there. And that was the only album, I think, that Werner Enid had. And that just, just, just got to us. If you know any songs on that album, My Pony Won't Go was my favorite. Just a slow thing. It just can't go. And it felt like, I mean, we were, we were... Wasted and drunk the whole, in, in, in blissful terms. And I have to repeat this. Some people get drunk and stumble around. Well, we stumble. But some people get drunk and they're miserable and mean and dangerous. Now, I was just mentioning Tent City and talking about dangerous. We had one rule 
I've told you about flamers before. Flamers are the little straight-up shots of Drambuie. And you'd order them in a restaurant, and you'd order a pack of matches to go with them. And so the, right away, the wait staff would know, huh, something's up with these guys. And you would light that, and it'd be a very nice two-inch flame, and you would take that glass, and you'd splash it, throw it back into your mouth. Open your mouth, here goes, chooch, and knock it back. And invariably, you burned your beard, it singed, your, your mustache singed. And and there's a smell because it's right under your mustache, right under your nose, close proximity. You just smell that burned hair, you know, the next day. Oh, my God, what did I do? And, um, you know, if you're unlucky like Peggy, you set your whole face on fire. Uh, she was okay, but I believe there were, there were marks afterwards. I think it was her cheek mainly. Um, now, Peggy, this is the same Peggy who, from New Zealand, who was... Um, I think she worked in uh, the place where mining men meet, the Capitol Hotel. That was our hangout, downtown Whitehorse, the Capitol Hotel, where mining men meet. I still have the matches from that place, the Capitol Hotel, where mining men meet. What a great slogan. And we just thought, yep, that's us. <laughs> sure. Uh, we were just, we were in there, we were all out. It was like when I was in Nigeria, I talk about that, how to be free and irresponsible. We were free and irresponsible, 1975. Now you can't, it's a very rare gift to get your friends to meet up in the Yukon and say, we're going to have a blast. We are going to party the entire summer. And that's exactly what we did. A lot of alcohol involved, a lot of dope. We had our accountant, Peter, uh, who happened to be an accountant, but part of the group, Fly up with reinforcements. We need more dope. Come on, bring up a whole jar. Same jar that was hidden in the back seat of the Toyota, or in the trunk of the Toyota, where we couldn't get it open for some reason and had to drive through the border on the top of the world highway. Top of the world highway, you are looking at an ocean of mountain tops, mountain ranges. You're just looking. All you see forever is mountains. And you are on the top of this ridge. This is going through Alaska, the Alaska-Yukon border. And there's one little shack and one little agent. And he comes out to see who you are, and it's just a bunch of tourists. And we're thinking, holy shit. He's going to say, open the trunk, and we say, we can't. He's going to insist on finding a way into that trunk, and he's going to find our dope. He didn't care at all. He just waved us through. Uh, there's no traffic. There's nobody else on the road. And this is on our way, I guess, to Dawson City. That's right. Uh, where this is where it circles back to Werner and Enid's cabin. If you're still with me, Werner and Enid's cabin, Porter Creek, just outside Whitehorse. Um, Bruce, Harold, and I, Debbie and Brent had joined. Debbie, sorry, Debbie and Barb had joined us in this point. At this point, they were looking after the Barstool Buddha. They were looking after Harold um, for whatever reason. Uh, they were up in, gosh, I'm going to forget the name of the place now, up in the mountains in a little bar they got to run. These are two beautiful girls, beautiful young women. They could just walk into bar and they're hired right on the spot. Yeah, sure, you can run the bar. Um, Mr. Paulson was running that bar, and Harold got to look after Mr. Paulson's hat. It was a very fine hat, the kind of thing maybe a cub, a scout leader might have. And Harold's job was take care of my hat. And, um, what? Junction. Haynes Junction. I believe it was Haynes Junction. Look that up on your map. And, uh, anyway, we make our way. 
leave Haines Junction behind, Haines Junction, where Harold was looked after by the two women, get us to Dawson City, where we go to Diamond Tooth Gertie's for a party. It's just a gravel area for dancing. We decide we're going to dance with Barb, because she's, she's the real pretty one here. And swing her around like you do in the old Western movies, and whoever swung her, and we don't know whether it was Bruce or I, or maybe even Harold, one of us swung a little too hard, and she went flying, landed on the gravel, and cracked her ribs. Now, that wasn't nice. Nobody was happy. She, you know, especially Barb. Hey, and we're feeling a little, more than a little sheepish, you assholes, my God. So, by the time we got back to Porter Creek, nobody was allowed in Werner Neenan's cabin except for Barb. She got the bed, the only bed. Uh, She needs recovery. We're banished to the tent outside. And that didn't matter. Bruce woke up with a, um, gosh, I guess, I don't even know if you can say these things, but... Let's say sometimes we had company, um, people who might just go along for the fun. Uh, we'll just we'll just leave that. We'll just park that because uh, it gets into sensitive. Anyway, great time. That's summer up in the Yukon. Oh my God, twenty minutes. I guess we're done with that for now. I got stuck my coffee to go through, but I think you've. The thing is, these are the things before you die. Well, in my case, I look back on it. Thank God. For that summer. I finally sobered up in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Got all the way from the Yukon, all the way back. Ended up in Toronto. Winter of 19... Getting on 1976, right? Just turned. Summer was in the Yukon. Fall was in the Maritimes. The winter I'm going to spend in Toronto. And I'm going to write my book. And uh, I have a picture of myself. You know, my nice little cap. And my cowboy shirt from Prince George. George for now. That that was the prelude to the Yukon. Um, and I was going to be a writer, write my book, and uh, realized, oh, this is hard. I got a job instead as a teaching aide at Lord Dufferin School, celebrating their 75th anniversary. Hired it as a teacher's aide at Lord Dufferin in Cabbage Town, Toronto, while they were still building the CN Tower. Watching it through my window, living on the. Uh, Robin was on Palmerston, I think I was on. Anyway, there you go. Closing off, giving you plenty. Maybe this is almost the end of the podcast, or maybe there's one more little bit to go through. But uh, I definitely have to put this out on Thursday. So uh, thanks for listening, boys and girls. God, is that my guy? Is that the walker? I think it's the walker. Yes, it is the walker. I can tell by the swinging arms. His pace has slowed a little, but I can tell by the swinging arms. That is the walker. Remember him? Yeah, been a long time. Come on, dude. Signing off. Ding, 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 ding.